Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to be talking about who is really in charge of markets. So there was so much that happened this week and usually I would do a lot more updates, but let's talk about all of it now. So SPF was arrested, CPI came in soft, the Fed hiked by 50 basis points, Twitter appears to be melting, and I think there's two threads that tie together really well in this broader discussion around the Fed and what's happening on a micro scale on Twitter.com. For context, Elon has kind of taken the hammer to Twitter and banning and then unbanning journalists and has contributed to and has continued to wage some sort of war against this concept of wokeness. And I think there's two main threads here, right? Inflation doesn't impact stocks. How the Fed reacts to inflation impacts stocks. Tech libertarianism relies on free market ideology, but a handful of billionaires end up being the entire free market. What's interesting about these two things, the market really listening to the Fed usually and sometimes to the economic data, bad news is good news sort of thing, and the tech world bemoaning journalism while elevating themselves as the executor of free markets is that they both have a really weird twist of irony. So getting into free markets, there's extensive literature on what free markets actually mean with no real conclusive answer. Many have pointed out that there is really no such thing as free markets, that truly free markets require actually more government oversight, not less, and that they require enforceable property rights and the government to absorb all social costs. Basically, there is an idea in the tech world that only tech people can be executors of goodness. We saw this with SBF and that anything that stops tech people from doing what they want is very bad. This is a big theme on Twitter with top VCs and billionaires getting pretty upset with the media. Max Fisher has written a pretty good thread about it and he says in the thread, people ne really need to understand how mainstream it has become in some tech VC circles to argue that journalism itself is a dangerous idea and should be abolished and that it will be up to the tech world to carry this out. If you remember the clubhouse sagas of 2020, you saw how openly this is now discussed among some of the Valley's most powerful. Why does the press have a right to investigate private companies? Let the market decide. Thomas Zimmer summarized it well too on a more individual level. The world works best if people like Elon get to do whatever they want, unhampered by regulations or criticism, because their personal interest is supposedly identical with the interest of humanity itself. In an article titled Safe Space, The Verge explores this intersection of Silicon Valley and VC victimhood more, with a focus on workers gaining in power. Writing, now that the tech industry has grown to be a major cultural force, workers are wondering why they aren't treated better. As a result, tech reporting has focused less on founders and CEOs and more on the hundreds of thousands of workers who power their businesses. Tom Wyman takes it a step further in his piece, examining how capitalism and the billionaires that subscribe to it has become sort of a religion, drawing from Adorno's minima moralia. Quote, the single man who hoped for immortality absolutely and for himself alone would in such limitation only inflate to preposterous dimensions the principle of self-preservation. Self-preservation, that sums up what we've been seeing, spiraling into the concept of free markets while simultaneously making them gated. There's also been a rise of anti-intellectualism with hostility towards creation and art and discourse over if reading books is actually good. Basically, there are threads of history woven into the present that are concerning. The Silicon Valley billionaires are waging a war against quote-unquote wokeness because that enables them to keep the tech world elevated and maintain a certain status quo. Self-preservation. The Fed is inadvertently threatening the fluffy world of non-zero interest rates that enabled a lot of excess, and the political landscape is evolving and all trapped animals beat against the cage. So the Fed market. <laughs> Everyone has one ear on the Fed, waiting to hear whatever sweet whispers Jerome Powell will have for number go up this time. And the Fed has made it really clear that they want to keep the market in line, and the market is starting to rebel against them. The market thinks rate cuts are likely relatively soon, whereas the Fed is like, no, hey, listen, we're going to keep on hiking. The market also thinks that the peak rate, where rates hang out for a bit and the Fed pauses, is lower than what the Fed thinks it is. The Fed is planning to rip to 5% plus, and the market is somberly shaking its head and saying, no, baby girl, that's not going to happen. The reason that the market is 
no longer hanging on the Fed's every word is because we have started to see softer prints on inflation, like the CPI this week, have seen inflation expectations ticking down, supply chains have eased according to U.S. services and manufacturing PMI metrics, we've seen somewhat of a loosening in the labor market and quits, but the Fed seems to have blinders on for some of this, and based on their summary of economic projections, it surely seems like they think that a recession is going to happen, lower GDP, higher unemployment, higher rates, higher inflation into 2023. That's a pretty bad combination. And structurally, a lot of things have changed in the economy that the Fed is trying to manage. The labor market is actually relatively different, and that is center stage for the Fed right now. The Boston Fed found out that men are dropping out of the labor force because they're upset about their social status. That's a huge change to the labor market. We've lost, tragically, a lot of people from COVID, something that we haven't even made time to grieve upon. Things are weird right now. And now the Fed is really focused on the labor market via core services ex-housing inflation, which is an inflation category that is more than half of core PCE and measures things like healthcare, education, hospitality, spend, etc. And it's slowing. It's not that inflationary, actually. But the Fed is like, listen, we got to keep an eye on that. But what is really worrying the Fed here is this intersection of core services, ex-housing, inflation, and the labor market. Wages are a huge component of the cost of these services, and the Fed seems increasingly concerned about wage price spiral woes. So people getting paid a little bit too much, and that creates a little bit more inflation. A lot of the pressure in this category is healthcare spend, and that should be slowing soon. So we will be seeing a slowing in core services, ex-housing, inflation. But the Fed is like, hey, no, like heck no, buddies, we're going to keep on ripping, even though there's some signs of inflation speeding up towards slowing down. And that's the worry. The Fed rips so hard because the labor market and worries over wage growth that the labor market really does collapse within itself. And then we have problems that the Fed's toolkit simply cannot fix. SBF arrested. So I didn't include this in the court thesis of this video because it's disappointing in a visceral sort of way. Not that he got arrested, but the fact that like all of this just happened, how greed shakes out, how something that should have been good turns so bad. Kathy Wood sort of falls into this category too, obviously not to the same degree. These big promises, I you know, I think the colloquial term is charlatan, that just end up evaporating people's money. And SBF was charged with a litany of things, wire fraud, wire fraud conspiracy, securities fraud, security fraud conspiracy, money laundering. It's actually a longer list than that. And honestly, if you have a group chat named wire fraud, you should likely expect to be charged with these things probably. And I've written a lot about him and I've talked a lot about him. And I think I've said his name more times than I've said my own name in the past couple weeks. So the two main things are don't steal people's money and altruism was not effective. So some final thoughts, a lot of the above, a lot of what I've talked about lies at the intersection of accountability and responsibility. I think a lot about empathy and relating to other people. And if you know my alternative account, you know this very well and how important it is that we spend time understanding each other. Platforms like Twitter and even mechanisms like the stock market enable these monetized opinions. Scream the loudest and someone will pay attention. Use the market as a way to express your thoughts. But there's a quote that Bill Bullard said that I really like. I think it's so good. Opinion is really the lowest form of human knowledge. It requires no accountability, no understanding. The highest form of knowledge is empathy for it requires us to suspend our egos and live in another's world. It requires profound purpose, larger than self kind of understanding. Within markets, we rely on the forces of supply and demand, on the actions of businesses and individuals to move things forward, and prices occur when those two forces intersect. Empathy is a function of understanding the emotions of others, of looking beyond the individual forces of supply and demand, but self-interest often overwhelms this process in markets because that is what is rewarded. And this is one of those things that is like, alas, that is life, human nature, alas. 
you know? But there's this quote from Vincent van Gogh that I want to leave this with, because this doesn't have a natural conclusion, this piece. Many people seem to think it foolish, even superstitious, to believe that the world could still change for the better. And it's true that in winter it is sometimes so bitingly cold that one is tempted to say, what do I care if there is a summer? Its warmth is no help to me now. Yes, evil often seems to surpass good. But then, in spite of us, and without our permission, there comes at last an end to the bitter frost. One morning the wind turns and there is a thaw. And so I must still have hope. Thanks so much for hanging out. This is a newsletter, kyla.substack.com. Also a podcast if you want to take it on the go. It's called Let's Appreciate. I will link all of this below. Hope you are doing so well out there and I'll talk to you all soon.